0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Palm Sunday. Did you enjoy the video? Yeah. You know, Ade Um is the uh, Christian dance company, local Christian dance company that actually uh, partnered with us in 2019 and actually they have done this production with us. So we're grateful that we actually recorded it. Uh, now we actually have it in hand. We can actually show you. I can't believe it's already 2022 and 2019. Golly, that's a long time ago, right? before the pandemic, before the pandemic. Uh, Welcome, welcome to Palm Sunday. Uh, Those of you are here and those of you watching us online, great to have all of you this morning. Um, Before we get into the scripture uh, today, I would like to uh, remind you again uh, some upcoming events uh, that's happening this week. Uh, Journey to the Cross, as you probably have heard Uh, This is a pretty big event that we put uh, together uh, prior to actually pandemic. Uh, We actually had to stop uh, during the pandemic, but we are actually bringing this interactive experience back to our church so that not only for us here, but you can also invite your co-workers, your friends, your neighbors to this event. It's seven different stations that actually explains the passion of Christ, the leading up to the death and crucifixion of Jesus. And this is a great, great uh, place where you can actually either walk through, takes about 30 minutes to do so, and if you would like to, there's going to be three different days you can actually join, Wednesday, Thursday, from 6 to 9 p.m., and on Good Friday, from 12 o'clock, noon to all the way to 6.30, and I think, if I check correctly, 6 o'clock slot is already full. Uh, So, but you can still register, right? (laughs) Try to come a little bit early and join us. And I think it's a good Friday, so I'm pretty sure a lot of you are off work. If not, you can actually ask your employers if it's your religious duty that you can actually attend this event, but just kidding. Um, But please, do all you can, do all you can to uh, partake this event because, you know, this is a really important time, uh, this whole week uh, that we're going to be reflecting on Jesus, uh, the leading up to the passion of Christ, okay? Uh, This Friday, Good Friday service is going to be uh, interesting, uh, and here's why. Um, It's very rare that actually the Passover, the Jewish Passover, fall in line with the Good Friday. It's very rare. But this year, uh, actually, the Good Friday and the Passover, so Jews from all over the world will be celebrating Passover at the same time we'll be celebrating Good Friday. I was joking with my wife, maybe Jesus is coming back. we shall see. Um, It's a little joke, okay. But we don't, yeah, yeah. we do believe in end time, but I don't think it's now, but who am I to say um, that he's coming back? But we'll be glad, we're glad to have him back if he decides to come back early. Um, Good? All right. Matthew 21, we're going to go to Matthew 21 this morning, open your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen also. I'm going to be reading from Matthew uh, chapter 21, verse 1 through 11. Um, I'm going to be reading from New King James Version, so you can follow along. If you don't have New King James, it's okay. ESV, NIV, King James. As long as you don't have a King James, where you have thou, thine, also sorts kind of English language that we don't use today. Okay? Matthew 21. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone say anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their cloth on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches. From the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. This week begins, the, today, the Palm Sunday begins a holy week. And this is a time that lasts a whole week to reflect on the passion of Christ. That Jesus entering today in the Palm Sunday to the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey that's read but there are events that is taking place that's going to be a very important reminder what Jesus has done here on earth on thursday he will be breaking his last meal with his disciples on the upper room and on friday he will be crucified symbolizing the good friday and the resurrection sunday as you know which is next sunday we will be celebrating this historical event that's taking place called Resurrection Sunday. But this is a week that we reflect and we take time to examine what Christ has done. I will say, if you ask me, the most important week in in history, the most important since the beginning, when God created heaven and on earth, and the fall of man, and all the up and down, the history, until that one moment, Jesus will come on the scene. And this Palm Sunday, as we are studying and reflecting of this story, I want to remind you that the Son of God taking the form, lowliness, humility to taking a form of man coming down from heaven to earth to be with his people and lived a sinless life and to comfort also with his people by teaching them by healing them By giving them the hope they were looking for. And not only that, he's healing the blind. He is cleansing the lepers. The devastating disease that cannot be cured. And Jesus is doing these miracles and signs and wonders. And people are amazed. And all these events are taking place in the gospel is record these events. But there is a moment when Jesus changed the music. Where he becomes something else. Where he is no longer a comforter, but he is becoming the Lamb of God. The the sacrifice that is worthy enough that will be able to forgive. It is at the Mount Transfiguration. We see Jesus with Moses and Elijah coming to prepare him for this event. And from there on, Jesus starts saying these things. I must go to Jerusalem. At there, I will be captured, delivered to the hand of the Gentiles, beaten, scourged, ultimately death, crucified on the cross. He knew the end is near. And so he make his way from northern Galilee to make his journey down to Jerusalem. And this historical event where Jesus is transforming from his mission, number one, to be comforter, to become the sacrifice, the sins of the world. And today, the significance of the Palm Sunday is that he was willing to go forward with this mission, knowing, knowing that he will die. He knew it all. He know what end is going to be like. He is God. But he still went through the obedience of Christ, faithfulness of God we see in Palm Sunday. This is a historical event. This is the history that changed the course of the world. This is the most important week in history period. Now that we address that issue, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of a solemn week of the Passion of Christ. Remember, to remember and reflect that leads to rejoice in what Christ alone has accomplished on the cross. We will expound more this statement as we continually discuss about text today. But before I do, as you know, if you are joining us for the first time, if you've been here many times, you know I'm all about details. I'm all about details. A matter of fact, I would like to make sure that I focus a lot on details. And the reason it's quite simple is because the more detail you have, the fuller the story that you will get. And so I'm going to go a little bit of background, the details and details and details, and in the process of it, you're probably wondering, why I, are you saying all this to me right now to do with the Palm Sunday? Everything. OK? But just bear with me as we talk about a little bit of background of this story. Prior to Palm Sunday, we find Jesus in Jericho. Jericho is located near the Dead Sea. And here we see the events that are being unfolded. First of all, in Mark chapter 10, we see a blind Bartimaeus receiving the sight. Jesus miraculously gave a sight to the blind. And think about if this joyous moment for Bartimaeus, he never seen anything before. The first thing that he sees is Jesus who have given him the sight that he can see. And the scripture tells us he follows. He follows, I would too. If I was a blind, somebody healed my eye, I will follow him too. It's a joyous moment. But friends, the things that he will see in coming days, the things that he will bear with his fresh set of eyes, Well, the person who has saved his eyes will be ultimately crucified unto death. The things that he will see with his own eyes. In Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus is also happening in the city of Jericho. Now, Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. If you don't know what tax collector did, they were bad people, okay? They were just bad people. Even today, tax, (laughs) do your tax. Okay, make sure you file it on time or ask for extension. But the tax collectors collect the tax for the Romans, but he also taxed for himself, so he enriched themselves. They overtaxed their own people. And so they were known, they were considered sinners even among the Jews. The chief tax collector of Jericho, Zacchaeus, radically gets saved. Jesus says, Zacchaeus! Come down, I must dine with you. Oh, and the commotion that it happened. And all the Jews that were there, don't you know who this man is? He has oppressed us. They're worse than Romans. But even Jesus, seeing what Zacchaeus, their entire family being saved, and from there, Zacchaeus also follow. And next, we find Jesus in the city of Bethany. Now, Bethany is really serious. Matter of fact, Bethany is the location where miraculous sign is taking place. It actually, triggers the Jews, the officials, to start plotting to kill Jesus. And what was that event? Rising of Lazarus. In John chapter 12, we see, 11, sorry, we see Jesus going into the Bethany, taking his time, by the way. He didn't immediately get there. Takes the time to actually get there. And when he arrives, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And Jesus says, if you have faith, if you believe, you will see the miraculous sign of God. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And the people, think about the people that seen the rising of Lazarus at the tomb. It's a miraculous event. Signs and wonders are being done and performed by Jesus. And in John 12, John tells us, Six days before the Passover. The reason why we know that Palm Sunday, okay, we can call it Palm Sunday, is because John actually gives us a specific date of the actual occurrence. Six days before the Passover, Mary, sister of Martha and Lazarus, anoints Jesus. And Jesus said, this is a preparation for my burial. And And disciples, they didn't get it. Matter of fact, one of the disciples we know, Judas, why don't you sell this and then and, and it can be used for helping the poor? But obviously his reason was not a good one. But he, Mary's anointing of Jesus, was a preparation of what is to come. And in John 12:12, 12, 12, scripture tells us: the next day, which is the five days before the Passover, Jesus started his journey to Jerusalem. From where? Bethany. And if you look at the map that is behind me, on the screen in front of you, Bethany is located at two miles. Yes, I have a laser pointer. (laughs) Bethany is located two miles southwest from the old city, which is located right here. This is where the temple compound, even today, there's a Dome of the Rock there. But actual temple was right here, so they actually missed it. It was right here. Temple used to be right here. How do we know? Come with me to Israel. Then I will tell you. I'm not going to give you all my secrets away. Um, But this is where the temple used to be. And so Jesus would walk from Bethany to the temple. It would take two. It's a two-mile journey. But you have to understand, Mount of Olives is right here, and Bethany and the Bethpage is part of the Mount of Olives. Clear? And so he will climb, climb, it's a steep climb. We can actually do this walk when we're in Israel. You can actually climb to the Bethpage. And Bethpage, from Bethpage to the Mount of Olives. And there used to be, the mission actually tells us, there used to be a bridge that connects from Mount of Olives to the temple compound. And that's the location we believe that Jesus would have walked into. Clear? used to be a valley. There is a valley even today. It's called Kidron Valley or Shaded Valley. Uh, And this is where the location uh, Jesus would cross. Why is this all important? I'll tell you. It's important because we have to see that all these locations are not made up places. The event that we are talking about today is not a made up story, as some will say. This is an actual historical event that took place with the actual people and the actual place. And how do we know that it is an actual place? Because of archaeology. Archaeology. Stones would not lie. Okay? And the places are real. And so Jesus would go to Jerusalem, but he never stays in Jerusalem. He always goes back to Bethany because that's the location where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he considered them friends. So he will go to that location. Passover is one of the Jewish feasts that brings multitude to the city. And you're probably wondering this multitude. What is multitude? Well, let me just explain. In typical day in Jerusalem, there are about forty thousand. They estimated about forty thousand people that lived inside Jerusalem. During the feast, Passover, Tabernacle, and mm, what is which one is that one? Pentecost. Sorry, those three feasts. The Jews from all over the country and outside the country will come to celebrate these feasts, and they say it will take it will be six times more than normal Jerusalem population. So think about how busy and how huge event this may have been to even care or have these people to stay. Where do they stay? It used to believe that Mount of Olives, which I pointed earlier, was a location where a lot of the masses of the pilgrims will actually stay. They used to pitch a large amount of tents all throughout the Mount of Olives where people will come and stay. And in the daytime, they'll go into the temple, do their sacrificial atonement, and then they'll come back out, they go so on. But it's a whole event, right? It's a long weekly event, so they will actually stay there. And afterward, they'll return to their home. But it would have been a very busy time of Jerusalem, in those feasts. Additionally, Mount of Olives, this is important information, so I have to. Mount of Olives was designated area for the pilgrims from the Galilee. It's historically recorded that the Galilee, Galileans, they're coming from the north. This was a designated area where the Galileans would stay. And this is very important information because this will all make sense of the story we just read. So let's go to the text, shall we? That's just introduction. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage, it's Beth Page, or also known as House of Early Figs. Now you might be wondering what that got to do with anything, G? Actually, quite a lot, because we know that Jesus will curse a fig tree here during the spring, which it's understood that that olive fig actually comes in spring. And so when Jesus did not find the the, the figs there, he curses, and I was mean, okay, that's beside the point. I don't wanna we'll get into details here. Maybe next time. Best page in the Mount of Olive, then Jesus sent two disciples. In verse 2, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and coat with her and loose them and bring them to me. I mean, think about it this way. Jesus is telling his disciples to go to the village opposite where they are, telling them to go find the donkey and the colt. Colt is not a horse, by the way. Um, It's the baby donkey, okay? I thought when I got saved, colt was horse. So I was wrong. (laughs) But it will be there. And what Jesus asked the disciples, tell them the Lord has need of it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a disciple, they might have a mount, magnificent faith. Go and get this thing, and if the owner asks you, the Lord needs of it. So they go. And then they actually find the donkeys, and they grab them, and the owner do ask. Let me ask you something. If you go outside after the service, and I'm pretty sure everybody drove, You go outside today after the service. Don't worry. Don't worry. We have a security watching all the cars. You go outside today in your car, whatever the car you drive, it's open. What's happening? And somebody's in there starting the car. What do you say? And what if the person that is in the car that is starting the car says, the Lord has need of it. You will say, you are a crazy man. Get out of my car. Right? But this is what is happening. Who are the disciples going to the, who is this owner of the donkey? He was willing to give, I believe. This was all prepared. The owner of the donkey already, God has prepared him to be ready when Jesus come and ask, are you prepared? In verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And I want to stop here a little quick. I want to make sure that you understand the magnitude of this statement. It is so big. It is what the author is actually trying to help you understand is that the scripture is being fulfilled right now. The the writer wants you, the readers, to understand this is very significant. You have to understand this is a pretty big deal. Augustine said it this way, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed and the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. And the prophecy is being fulfilled at this moment. Prophets Isaiah and Zechariah have foreseen the event that would take a place 100 years prior to this event. Matthew, the one who actually wrote this gospel, Not only him, but the apostles and all the disciples of Jesus and the Christians all throughout the history have understood that this prophecy has been fulfilled. It is a big deal. What prophet has saw, Jesus himself will fulfill it in detail. In a very, very detail. Let's continue. In verse 5, tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey, to the detail. It comprises a couple of the prophecy that is made in Isaiah. In Isaiah 62, the daughter of Zion is referenced to Isaiah 62, verse 11. It says, Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, Say to the daughter of Zion, Surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. In Zechariah 9, 9, which this prophecy is being fulfilled, it says, Rejoice greatly, the entire text says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having what? Salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of the donkey. And if that is not enough, let me just give you one more. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 10 and 11, it says, and this is Joseph prophesying over Judah. And to the line of Judah, the Savior will come. And this is the prophecy. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be obedience of the people binding his donkey to the vine. And his donkey is called to the choice vine. And here's an interesting fact. He washed his garments in wine and his clothed in the blood of grace. This imagery is crucial. Think about wearing a white robe, dipping yourself in a wine. What picture or visual do you get? Remember, this is a prophecy that is being told that the future Messiah will somehow be bloody. You see, the whole entire Old Testament points to the coming Messiah. And that is who? Jesus, the Son of God. D.A. Carson, scholar, said it this way, riding on a colt was a deliberate act of symbolic self-disclosure. Secrecy was being lifted. No more secrets. Jesus is fully exposing himself, revealing himself to the multitude that he is the coming Messiah. You see how significant this is. Jesus is the king, humble, lowly king. Not the victorious king, that's not the king that we see. And obviously the multitude were looking for the political messiah that would deliver Israel from the oppression of Rome. Oh, friends, Jesus had a bigger mission than that. His mission was to save the broken relationship between God and men. Do you understand the magnitude of this event that is taking place in front of us? In verse eight, and a very great multitude spread their cloth on the road, and others cut down branches from the tree and spread on the road. And actually, in Gospel of John, this. Leaves for palm, so we have Palm Sunday. Where well, we get Palm Sunday. Luke nineteen thirty seven actually gives us a little bit more detail to this event. As he is riding on a donkey, try to imagine as Jesus is riding on a donkey coming into the city. In Luke nineteen verse thirty seven, he says, "As he was now drawing near." The descent, very important, the descent of the Mount of Olives. Can we get the map back, please? This is the Mount of Olives. Jesus is coming this way. And as he's coming, this is the down descent slope. And he is making the way in, now the multitude. And who are these multitudes? You remember? Multitude or Galileans, the one who actually have seen the miracles and signs and wonders for three years, and they cry out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In Hebrew, it's not Hosanna, it's Hosanna. Baruch haba et Madonai, which is, a Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This verse, this reference of the Psalm 118.26 is a messianic verse. It's a foretelling of the Messiah that's going to be entering to Jerusalem. And the proclamation saying that, the people that were saying, this is the Messiah that we were looking for. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Psalm 118 is a Harlel Psalm, which is the psalm that actually they sing during the feast. And in the Feast of Tabernacle, they also sang during the Second Temple era and the Passover Eve, Passover Eve, which is considered the Messianic Psalms. Hosanna means save now. Or save, I pray. In John's gospel, John adds at the end, the king of Israel. John the apostle saw Jesus as the messianic king, echoing the proclamation of Nathaniel, who came to Jesus in the early, in chapter 1, 49, when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, and this is what Nathaniel proclaims, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Psalm 118.26 is a part of a messianic expectation. All four gospel usage indicate that disciples saw Jesus as a messianic king who fulfills the prophecy. In verse 10, when Jesus had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitudes said, this is Jesus, a prof- the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. You probably heard this saying before, if you're a Christian. You may have heard a statement that says, those who proclaim Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord are the same people that said, crucify, crucify. I don't believe that it was the same group of people. And here's why. Remember earlier I told you about the Galileans that were standing or staying in the Mount of Olives. And as he was descending to go into Jerusalem, these are the group of people that proclaim, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the people in Jerusalem, as Jesus is marching in, have no idea who he is. It's not a coincidence that, that these people, without knowing what Christ, who Christ is and what he has done, to haphazardly cause, crucify him. But I do not believe it's the same people. For the fact there were people that were weeping and moaning and following Jesus as He is taking the cross to the Golgotha. So, what do we do with the information? What do we do with this significant Palm Sunday? There are three things. First, remember, remember what Christ has done that the messianic promises were fulfilled by Christ. Hebrew chapter 12, two tells us that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. As we are reflecting, as we're remembering, we remember what Christ has done. Joy that's set before him. And what is that joy? You, you and you, and you, all of you. The reason why the Son of God were able to endure the cross to the end was because He foresaw you 2,000 years later that will proclaim His name. Remember Him. Jesus came to become the sacrificial atonement for you and me. Stephen Willem a uh, professor of Christian theology at Southern, in his book, Christ Alone, states, Why is Christ the unique, exclusive, and all-sufficient Savior? Scripture answers, because He is the only one who can meet our need, accomplish all of God's sovereign purposes, and save us from our sin. Christ and His work are necessary to redeem us, and apart from Him, there is no salvation. Christ is the one person who fulfills God's own righteousness as a man, reconciles God himself with all humanity, and establish God's own saving rule and reign in this world, all because, and only because, Christ alone is God, the Son incarnate. Second, reflect. As we remember what Christ has accomplished on the cross, let us reflect on our relationship with God. Philippians 1, 2, 7 says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Ask yourself this question this morning. Is your life worthy of Christ's sacrifice? And finally, rejoice. Rejoice in God the Father for providing the way to be restored in relationship with him. Rejoice in Christ Jesus for his obedience to be sacrificed for us. And finally, rejoice in the Holy Spirit for his empowerment to live a life that is worthy of Christ's sacrifice. Let me end with this. On March 29, 30 AD, five days before the Passover was also the Lamb Selection Day. It is the day that Jewish families will select and set aside a lamb for their family that will ultimately become a sacrificial element on the day of Passover. They will care for this lamb, feed this lamb, and live with this lamb until the day of Passover. The feast of Passover is to remember God's saving grace towards His people when the angel of death sweep across the land of Egypt, killing their firstborn while saving those who have put the lamb's blood on the doorpost. Jesus entering the city five days before the Passover is not a coincidence. On the Lamb's election day, He is becoming the Lamb who will die or sacrifice for the sins of the world. In the Gospel of John, when John the Baptist saw Jesus proclaim, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, What Palm Sunday signifies is that this is the day that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, one and only Son of the Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel became the Lamb of God, who take away the sin of the world, who will restore what was broken in the beginning between God and man. Let us behold Him by remembering, reflecting, and rejoicing for the coming of the Lamb of God. Let us pray. Father, we worship you. We thank you for your obedience to endure to the end, that your sons and daughters will come back and return to your fold that as a sheep, as your flock, Lord, we worship you this week. We honor you, O oh Lord. Worthy is the lamb. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.